Good morning. Good to see you. Can you, you can hear me? So, um, I am the Good Shepherd is uh, our topic this morning. As you, uh, as you will recall, I'm sure we have been going through these last few weeks looking at the I Am statements of Jesus in John's Gospel. And Jay kicked us off, uh, I think around four weeks ago, um, asking us to examine our picture of God that we carry in our heads. And he challenged us that the God that we imagine is the God that we live with, which has been a very nice phrase, for, for, for me at least, to, to focus on what we've been doing over these last few weeks. Um, that he is... Jesus, the exact representation of his being, God's being, Jesus shows God to us. And so we're looking at what um, Jesus shows him to be really like in reality. And this week, as I said, we're doing I Am the Good Shepherd. We also have the kids here, so we might, at least some kids here, so we might do some other things in a moment. We'll see how we get there. Um, I want to start, um, first of all, though, by reading through the passage. So let's um, just pray for a moment and ask that God would uh, enable us to see what he has for us in this passage. Lord, we come before you. And regardless of uh, our surroundings and our familiarity with, with these things that we'll be talking about, we ask, Lord, that you, by your Spirit, would speak to our hearts that which we need to know and understand for your glory. In the name of Jesus. So, um, I'm going to get into John 10 here. I'm going to avoid some of the verses that uh, we talked about last week. Um, if you recall, and you were here last week, John, uh, Jay talked about, um, I am the door, or I am the gate. And actually, it was an unexpected and extremely pertinent message. So if you haven't heard that, if you were away or, or downstairs or whatever, um, I do recommend that you check out the podcast. John chapter 10, verse 2. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name, and he leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. And then in verse 10, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd who does not own the sheep sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees, and the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own, and my own know me, just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father and I lay down my life for the sheep. And then uh, further on in verse 27. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish, 
and no one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. I and the Father are one. <coughs> so as we pray, these are very familiar words, right? We want to see what um, our God has to remind us of this morning as we look at them together. And... Uh, to challenge us how to respond to this message. So the good news this morning is that the Lord is our shepherd. He is fully committed to us, knows us and cares for us like no other, and he will never lose us or abandon us, and he invites us to follow his voice in a life-giving relationship of care and trust. First of all, though, I want to talk a bit about sheep and shepherds. Roaming herds of sheep with a shepherd looking after them were commonplace in biblical times. Unfortunately, that's not the case for us, right? Um, I don't know that I've ever seen a shepherd in New Jersey. Um, I'm not even sure that I've seen a sheep in New Jersey, though I know there are some. And they're certainly not looked after in the traditional shepherding way. Shepherds and sheep are used to illustrate many biblical truths because they were commonplace and understood at the time. Old Testament and New Testament, we find, uh, we find the analogy. What is the most famous psalm? Psalm 23. How does it start? The Lord is my shepherd. Okay, sermon's over. We're good. The Lord is my shepherd. And, uh, you know... For, for many of us, we've known that from an early age. We've learned that um, and understood those words or tried to understand those words and understand how they apply to us. I have a few pictures for you. It's a self-portrait. Uh, it was on a good day. If we are sheep, then maybe it is a self-portrait, Right? I grew up in the, in the south of England, as most of you know, and sheep are quite common there. We have a rolling grass-covered hills, we call it downland, and uh, it's very suitable for sheep farming, and conversely not very suitable for any other type of farming. So there are lots of sheep around. Um, it's especially noticeable in spring, when you'll pass fields of sheep um, with recently born lambs, um, it's quite a spectacle really to see all of those lambs and all of those sheep. And you learn to be a teeny bit careful around sheep that have lambs because sometimes they don't want you around. Now I thought we could learn a bit more about sheep. It would be good if we had a sheep with us this morning. But I couldn't, I couldn't find one until I spoke to Olive. Olive, are you able to be a sheep for me? Oh, look at this. So this is Olive the sheep. Um, sheep, is, is Olive your name? Olive the sheep, what do you like to eat? Food. Wow. Any particular type of food. Do you like hamburgers? Grass. Yes, grass. 
Grass is a good thing for sheep, right? They do a lot of eating. Yeah. And what type of coat do you have? Wow. It's a wool coat. Don't cut it off. Yes, uh, it turns out, by the way, that um, if you don't uh, cut the wool off of sheep, that is at least sheep that are now bred, um, then uh, they get into trouble. That, that their, their wool grows forever until it's so much wool that they actually, yeah, they struggle and they can roll over and not be able to get up for, off their backs because they have so much wool. But you don't look like that. Now, I have, a, I have a special question for you, Olive the Sheep. Do you have a shepherd? I don't know. You don't know? And yep. you do? Well, okay. And what does the shepherd do for you that you most like? Does he find you good grass? Sort of. He finds you good grass. In a way. <laughs> All right, I've got to show you something. Do you, do you remember this stick? All right. It's a shepherd thing. Oh, you want to hold it? Oh, the sheep is holding the... Oh, now we're in trouble. <laughs> Something's gone wrong here. <laughs> oh, no. I call this a shepherd's crook. It's what a shepherd might have used to, to control sheep. Maybe you call it a staff, but um, it's, a, it's a shepherd's crook. And this is the picture, right, of the, that you might have um, in uh, biblical times. You've got uh, the shepherd walking along. You've got his stick. Thank you, olive sheep. That's okay. <laughs> and uh, yes, that's, that's what we see roaming the hillsides. Of course, we don't really do that now. Um, we don't see it a lot now because... For the most time now, we just keep our sheep in fields and we fence them. So it's really not the same type of care. But uh, the shepherd cares for the sheep. Thank you, Olive. So we're sheep. All of us um, are sheep in, in God's flock. As I said, you know, sheep have some strange behaviors. Um, I know from when I was growing up, one of the things I'd, I'd always be able to recognize is where sheep are kept, because sheep are kept in these fields that have a special type of fence. I don't know if you see them around here. I don't think I've seen any around here. But the fence has um, kind of four or five-inch squares of, of wire. So with cattle, you can um, fence a field with barbed wire, and if you're lucky, the cattle will stay there. But with sheep, if you do that, guess what happens? They run into the barbed wire. Their wool gets all tangled up in the barbed wire. And you spend all of your time rescuing them from the mess, right? So there's a special type of fence that is used for sheep, which um, I often see when I'm walking around uh, in the UK. So you can tell. So we have an overwhelming picture, I think, together that uh, a shepherd is one who cares for his flock, that uh, that shepherd is very comforting to the sheep, who perhaps can be a little bit stupid. Um, but I want to try and look a little bit deeper this morning. It's actually a very rich analogy, um, the shepherd and the sheep. 
um, for, for our walk with God. Um, it's, it contains a lot of things, a lot of aspects. We can't do all of that this morning, but there are a few that I felt God laying on my heart to share with you, so we're going to uh, just touch on those. The first thing that strikes me when I read, I am the Good Shepherd, is what immediately follows. It says, the Good Shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. So, that's not something you would expect, right? And it's not something that his hearers, listeners at the time, would have expected. To hear that a shepherd would lay down his life for the sheep. It's not usual. I, I'm sure there aren't many cases of it, of it happening even in biblical times that, um, that a shepherd will lay down his life for the sheep. And it's confusing because if you're just thinking about the analogy directly, you think, well, if the shepherd has died for the sheep, then who's the shepherd now? <laughs> He's gone. So it would have been confusing to them. And the thing about Jesus is this is not a, a happenstance. He's laying down his life for the sheep. It is a premeditated decision that he, and he has full knowledge of the outcome. So he told his disciples um, many times that he would be condemned to death. And there's a passage in uh, Mark chapter 10, which I know is a little bit before, a little bit after the passage that we just read, where, which always it, it grips me whenever I read it. Um, it, says, uh, it says this. And they were on the road going up to Jerusalem. And Jesus was walking ahead of them. And they were amazed. And those who followed were afraid. You read that one before? They're on the road going up to Jerusalem. And Jesus was walking ahead and they are amazed, and those who followed were afraid. What were they amazed and afraid about? They're on the road to Jerusalem, right? That the next part of the verse says, And taking the twelve again, he began to tell them what was happened to him, saying, We are going up to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man will be delivered over to the chief priests and the scribes, they will condemn him to death and deliver him over to the Gentiles. And they will mock him and spit upon him and flog him and kill him. And after three days he will rise. So for me, these disciples and these followers are along the road with Jesus. And Jesus is ahead of them. And they're going to his death. They're going to his reckoning. They're going to the den of his opponents. They're going to the cross. And he is ahead. Right? He knew where he was going, and he's walking ahead. And they are amazed, and they are afraid. This is the action of Jesus. To go in in full knowledge, to the cross, to the 
those that would confront him. It occurred to me that the good shepherd, he doesn't actually carry one of these. The good shepherd carries one of these. Right? The good shepherd doesn't carry a crook. He carries a cross because he's on his way to that cross in full knowledge, in full knowledge of what that was going to mean. So for me, one thing we have to be very clear of in our understanding and image of God is that our shepherd is all in. He is all in. Don't be in any doubt about that. If you think the good shepherd has overlooked you or is distant or is uninterested, you have it wrong. If you think you're in too deep um, and he's given up with you, you have it wrong. He's all in. He walked ahead to Jerusalem knowing his destination was the cross. Though he was in the form of God, he did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. But he emptied himself, taking the form of a servant. And being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death even death on a cross. Therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name. We should never doubt just how committed our good shepherd is to us. He is all for you. He was and is and he always will be. The good shepherd who lays down his life for the sheep. And he also knows you. It's all over the passage. I know my own and my own know me, just as the Father knows me and I know the Father. Jesus says he knows his sheep. There's a closeness of relationship with his sheep. Nothing you do is going to surprise him. This is not the shepherd who was looking over there at something and you shot off and he didn't discover until half an hour later. That's, that's not the shepherd. He knows you. He knows your thoughts, your wishes, your dreams, your frustrations, your confusion, your pain, your loss. Everything you wish he knew Everything you wish he didn't know, he knows. And that's the one who willingly went to the cross for you. He is all in. Now there's a, a normal picture of a shepherd is one who cares for and keeps the sheep safe. But as we said, in the, in the modern environment, we do that because the, most of the predators have been killed off 
and we use fences. That's not the way it worked in biblical times. That's not the way a traditional shepherd worked. There's a word that repeats a lot in this passage. The word is follow. Did you see that? The word is follow. A traditional shepherd leads his flock and the flock stays safe by following his lead. If all the sheep go off elsewhere or scatter, his job becomes very difficult. Jesus is all over that in the passage. He goes before them and the sheep follow him. My sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. But here's the thing. Many times when we say, the Lord is my shepherd, I think what we really hear is something like, the Lord is my caretaker, or the Lord is my bodyguard. You see the difference? I've never had a bodyguard. But, but I assume he would, or she, would do what I want and accompany me on my choices. I assume um, the caretaker or bodyguard takes direction from you. But the shepherd expects you to follow him. He may follow you if you wander off, but ordinarily he expects you to follow him. And this is not lost um, and the people hearing this uh, at the time of Jesus. The shepherd in biblical times was known to be the king of the sheep. He was the king. He was everything for the sheep. He was the autocrat, if you like, that leads them to pasture and water, leads them away from predators and dangerous terrain. He was the king. They did what he said. Conversely, throughout Jewish history, the kings and rulers were described as shepherds. The Lord is my shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. That's not a, they're not opposites. It's not a dichotomy. They're, they are in harmony. They are the same. The Lord is my shepherd. Because a shepherd is Lord of his flock. So if we're expecting the shepherd to, to follow us and keep us safe, we're going to get into trouble. He leads, we follow. And that's an obvious spiritual example, right? Um, unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. But often we say, I'm going to build this or do this, Lord. Follow me. Help me. Protect me. That's not the way. That is not the way. Follow. So it's easy to say we must follow um, the shepherd, but I'll try and unpack that a little bit more. It's, it's a complicated topic. Several times in the passage, Jesus tells us the sheep follow his voice. That's actually a surprise to me. I don't know that I've ever seen a shepherd who is able to talk to sheep and have them follow his voice. Um, kind of works with cats and dogs sometimes. Does it work with sheep? Clearly in this analogy it does. My sheep, the sheep follow his voice. They hear his voice. They follow him because they know his voice. 
And there's a wonderful relationship described there. Don't you think? It's a, uh, the relationship between the sheep and the shepherd, the listening and the recognizing the voice and the following. And I don't know that it, the following is only about direction, where you go, but also about behavior. The Good Shepherd sets an example that, uh, that we uh, follow, and our attitude is to follow in that way too. A question that I always find coming up when talking with folk um, is, how do you know? Um, how do you follow and stay on the right path? I think I lost it somewhere. Help me. It's a, it's a common question, in fact. And it's a tough topic. Because we come to a fork in the road um, in our minds. We come to this fork. We have a decision to make. And we don't see a signpost. And we struggle to hear clearly his voice. So what do you do next? So what do you do? You pray, perhaps? Do you open your Bible and read whatever your finger touches? I don't recommend that one. You lay a fleece? I don't even have a fleece. <laughs> um, toss a coin? Ask Jay to meet you for coffee. That's, that works. Maybe some of you are in that situation right now. How do you clearly hear his voice? How do you know the way? I want to talk through this a bit more because how we behave at those decision points depends a lot on our inner picture of God. And certainly my inner picture of God has changed as I've looked back over the years. And uh, I'll share some stories in a moment. First of all, let's look at a couple of well-known passages. There's one in Proverbs. It says this. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will make straight your paths. It's familiar, right? It's a great verse. Our prayer, our desire, is that we follow the straight path, the one the Good Shepherd has chosen for us. But what are the factors that help? When I first memorized this verse, now let me think, that's going to be 45 years ago. A long time ago. I thought the key word was trust. You know, the more I've grown up, or as it got old, the more I wonder if the key word is heart. Your heart. Trusting in the Lord with all your heart. Because I think such a key in following the Lord is where your heart is. Is to have set your face to follow that path. For your heart to be for Him. Second in the verse... We need to recognize that we don't really know best. And that's tough for us, right? Um, 
It doesn't mean that you have to stop thinking and planning. That's, I don't think, what it does mean. It's not saying to us that, you know, we need to throw away everything that we may have learned in life and just follow what God wants. That, I don't think it's saying that. But I think what it's saying is you have to stop thinking that you know everything, that your understanding is limitless. And you have to recognize that your shepherd knows better and sees more, right? And that's the key. And the third in this verse is we must always acknowledge him. We must always include him in our decision-making and look for him in every situation and circumstance. Watch for his prompting and listen for his voice. Another helpful passage that uh, comes to mind when I'm thinking about following in this way is uh, in Psalms 32. Psalm 32 and 8 and 9 says this, I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you with my eye upon you. Be not like a horse or a mule without understanding, which must be curd with bit and bridle, or it will not stay with you. It's a promise. Hold on to a promise. It's a promise. He's watching, teaching, helping. And then it's a warning <laughs> to um, not behave like you need a leash. Um, can you imagine what it would be like to try and lead a flock of sheep all on leashes? No, don't try and imagine that. That's not going to work. So, he will counsel you. He promises to. He will teach you. He will show you the way you should go. And he'll never, look, never abandon you or, or lose you. And counsel, by the way, can come from others. You can use others to, to counsel you. Let me tell you a story. Um, a long time ago, I, I guess I was in my early 20s, I had to make a decision between a couple of jobs which would determine how my next two or three years went and also my career direction. And it seemed like a big thing to me. Um, it would mean moving to a new city, having to make new contacts, find a new church, that type of thing. So it's going to be an upheaval. Um, it's actually so long ago, I can't remember all the details now, but stick with me. Anyway, I'd been following the Lord for six or seven years at that point, and I knew enough to ask counsel when faced with a decision like this. So I arranged to meet with a person who had been discipling me, um, who was several years older and whom I greatly respected. And my heart was to follow the shepherd my concern was the wrong choice would be painful at least and maybe catastrophic. Got to get this right, Pete. Got to get this right. Though I can't recall all the circumstances of the decision, what this person said to me, I still remember 45 years on. He said, Pete, I believe God is going to bless you whichever you choose. 
It blew me away. In my mind, when you were faced with two paths in life, one path was the way the shepherd wanted you to go, and the other way was the wrong way. <laughs> right? And your job was to sweat hard till you found out which was the right way and then go there. You had to choose the right way or you would hit the rocks and become a shipwreck. That was what I thought at the time. Jesus said, right, the gate is narrow and the way is hard. That leads to life and those who find it are few. So shouldn't you have to work really hard to find it in every decision in life? Well, I don't think that's exactly what he was saying in that verse about every decision in life at least. For me now, that's a somewhat paranoid view of how God actually works in our lives. It's true we have to make a commitment to follow the narrow path. But along the path, I understand now that the good shepherd is capable enough to shepherd me through variations. Maybe there's a plan A and a plan B. Maybe they're not even A and B. Maybe he really has two ways. Certainly, I do not believe anymore that you will get shipwrecked or lost to God by following a wrong choice if your heart is to follow him. If your heart is to follow him. The point is this. Our good shepherd is way more resourceful than we imagine. Perhaps our decision is between two paths that equally can bless us, but in which we'll learn different things, and God has a way to make that work. But he's the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. I think he's already seen the end. I don't, it's hard to imagine how that could work, but I think he's already seen the end. So... It's not a right and a wrong necessarily. Now be careful. I'm not telling you that you can do whatever you want and God will make it work out as he intended. But I do believe that if your heart is right, then he will make straight your paths. Another story. It's a Bible story this time. You remember the story of Jonah, right? You ever tried asking the question, how did Jonah encounter the good shepherd? Maybe the two things don't go together in your head. Um, I've been pondering on this this week. Remember the basic story. God said to Jonah, Arise, go to Nineveh, the great city, and call out against it, for their evil has come up before me. What did Jonah do? Jonah rose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He didn't go by mistake to Nineveh, Pennsylvania, or Nineveh, New York. He went as far away in the known world as he could possibly imagine, to Tarshish. So what did the good shepherd do? Well, at one time, the good shepherd of my imagination would have said, Jonah. You messed up big time. 
You did it deliberately. You're done. You are a shipwreck. Now, there was nearly a shipwreck. We'll come to that in a minute. But you're done. I'll find somebody else to go to Nineveh and do my will. But what did the good shepherd do? Well, you know, there was a, almost a shipwreck. <laughs> there was a whale, or a big fish, and he was vomited back onto the beach. And then we read, the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, the great city. And this time he went. I think God really works like that in our lives when the decision was important. When the decision was very important. He can take us forwards and around and aback to the same point until we get it. My point again is this. The good shepherd is very resourceful. He really doesn't work like some games do, right? Here's the path. You fall off the path, end of the game. End of the game. No. He's really resourceful. The good shepherd doesn't write him off. He doesn't abandon Jonah. He doesn't put him on his dead-to-me list. He doesn't just find someone else. He brings him back to the same point. He is incredibly resourceful and gracious. He is all in for us. And he knows what's really going on inside us. We need to set our hearts to follow him. And he will sort out the details. Lastly, Jesus was very clear on where he was leading us and the benefits of that. It's not just about keeping us fed and safe. He offers abundant life in verse 10 and eternal life in, uh, in verse 27. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. My sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me and I give them eternal life and no one shall snatch them out of my hand. The abundant life that Jesus offers is not all about the food we can eat or money or possessions or freedom from COVID restrictions. He is... He is offering us a life-giving relationship with him. It's about knowing his care, hearing his voice. Having a relationship with your creator. He offers a life-giving relationship of care and trust as he leads us and we follow him. We're probably going to come back to exploring this life of more in the next weeks because next week David will lead us through I am the resurrection and the life and in the following week Jay is going to cover I am the way and the truth and the life. So I feel confident that life is going to come up again. Uh, I'm punting. That's what you're telling me. Right. <laughs> let, me f- let me finish with these familiar words. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul.
He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. The good news this morning is that the Lord is our shepherd. He is fully committed to us, knows us, cares for us like no other, and he will never lose us or abandon us. He invites us to follow him and his voice in a life-giving relationship of care and trust. So follow him. We're going to have a time of response in a moment. Um, If you've never committed to following the Good Shepherd, or you have concerns that you may have gotten a bit lost along the path, or you want to help to discern the path, please come chat with us, myself, others, Jay, Aaron. You can do that during response time or um, towards the end of the service. Let's pray. Lord, thank you that you are the good shepherd. You have taken us into your flock and made it so we can know and experience you and hear your voice. Thank you for your grace and your care and your resourcefulness. Thank you that you're all in for us, that you will never lose us or abandon us, that no one can snatch us from your hand. Teach us your ways and lead us in your path. Reveal to us where our hearts are deceitful and not for you, that we may follow you all the way into eternity. Thank you for being our good shepherd. Amen.